first time I found a Del Taco. I'm like, you know, this is delicious. This is awesome. This was when I was in junior high, and everyone really loved Taco Bell for some reason. And it's like, you know, okay, so Del Taco is great. Let's do that. So the next time we fly out to the West Coast, you know, I keep saying, let's go back to Del Taco. Let's go back to Del Taco. And then we're out there for a week, and every day it's like, no, oh, no, we're not going to go to Del Taco. Uh, so we come back, and I'm like, okay, next time, no matter what, I'm going to go to Del Taco. So the following year we go out, and... They're like, okay, where do you want to eat on your birthday? And I say, I want to go to Del Taco to eat on my birthday. And then my parents look at each other. So they discuss it, and they come back, and they're like, we have bad news. I'm like, what's the bad news? Your mother doesn't want to go to Del Taco. Like, what? So I didn't even get to go to Del Taco on my birthday. That was, that my was your birthday, birthday, though. That was my birthday. Those fuckers probably dragged you into, like, a five-star Gordon Ramsay restaurant. Something, something like that. Some kind of, like, Japanese hibachi bullshit. Bunch of dick um, bags. I- <laughs> hey everybody, this is the Enemy Slime Podcast, episode 8. We actually played games last week, <laughs> which I know is shocking to those of you who have been wondering why we haven't been playing any games. Apparently there is an Angry Birds themed park. Now I need to specify this is a themed park, not a theme park, in China. <laughs> it is a 10,000 square meter park with gift shops and a gaming area where guests can play Angry Birds. But it seems like China can bootleg everything and turn it into a theme park. Like True. World of Warcraft theme park. I didn't think about that. I'm not sure if it's an official Angry Birds theme park or not. I, I just right. looked it up, actually, and it, 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 it is indeed. Um, there are actually... Really? This is, if you really want to get riled up, there are actually two Angry Birds uh, <laughs> parks in China. Uh, the first one that did open up was unlicensed, but this one actually is uh, proper... Yeah, there's no, like, backwards S or something, or, or like, you know, <laughs> differently colored birds. I have to imagine this is what happens when you basically fall into popularity, and you don't know what else to do with your money. You just open a theme park based on your game. But, I mean, it's... I, I remember early on, I remember a friend came to me complaining once, and I didn't really care, but he was like, you know, the Angry Birds guy is full of himself, and he has Big Eagle, and he's talking about how he's going to do all this shit. And I bet you Angry Birds is just going to crash and be unpopular, and he doesn't make any money. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we see how that turned out. Right. Oh, it it's popular? <laughs> do people dig on that? Well, yeah, uh, people dig on it. it it's yeah. probably one of the best-known... Uh, I'm trying to find a good word. I was going to say that one of the best-known shitty games, but it's like... <laughs> I don't know. It's there's not that much to it. It's uh, I think I've only played it maybe once, and I guess you just fling birds at pigs. There's different kinds of birds. Right. <laughs> there's not just like one bird. Right. Yeah. You know what? Put put Angry Birds on my list of overrated games. All Go right. back and ed- edit episode eight. I mean, but look, but by, by episode ten, we're just not going to have anyone listening to these anymore because we're. <laughs> Kind of insulting everything. Now. Because of all yeah. those angry but birds. But this is why I say that they sort of <laughs> fell into fame. I mean, I don't know that Angry Birds is doing anything that hasn't been done already on, like, you know, dozens of different Flash games that have come out with the same exact idea. It's just kind of like, you know, maybe one guy takes the the whole idea and polishes it up so that it's more appealing to everybody. And then that's but, the only reason why it, it sort of blossoms into something huge. Well, right place at the right time, too. Yeah. Right, yeah, right place at the right time. But this is how you know you've made it, all right? Not with a themed park. You know you made it when you have a Star Wars tie-in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, the birds, yeah. The oh, birds are yeah. in space. So yeah, awkward. Yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like you don't even care about Angry Birds. 
Uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Freedom Cry is a DLC where you will play as an escaped slave, which I think is pretty badass. I know Jay likes the idea, right? Yeah, I, I think the idea is pretty badass as well. I really do. Will, uh, it, dis- will it disappoint you if he is recaptured at the end? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's no. almost a sure thing. I mean, even if, you, even if you're an escaped slave, in that time period, you have to either die or be recaptured. Be recaptured. I mean, he might end up in Canada at the end of it. That and could happen. Which sets up for Assassin's Creed Canada, you know? <laughs> Ooh. Become yeah. a mountain assassin. Like with, with mm. poutine. You could have like a big scraggly beard and <laughs> yeah, I mean I I, th- I think it looks interesting. I think I think as I was saying before, I, I've been really into the recent kind of Assassin's Creed. It's like we've been Ezio forever and Ezio's cool, he's like sexy, he's Batman, whatever. <laughs> but I I feel like they've been picking more kind of interesting eras and uh and characters to kind of follow through these Assassin's Creed games. Like I was I feel like I'm one of the few people on the planet that actually really liked Connor Kenway, and I ended up liking him more than Ezio, I want to say. And then I played Liberation, and Aveline was interesting. I didn't like particularly love her more than any other character, but uh, it was like a little... Unfortunately, the game was very kind of disjointed, so you were jumping around a lot, um, and that was part of the storyline. You know, it could have it it been a little better. Mm-hmm. And then we get this next one, and like the one thing everyone did seem to love from Assassin's Creed 3 was the kind of sea battles. And I agree because I thought those were awesome. And to have an entire game that's just like pirates and sea battles wow. and, you know, I'm I'm huge on pirates. I even liked up until Pirates of the Caribbean 3. I didn't like 4. <laughs> yeah, but I got too. a lot of than a lot of people. <laughs> so. I, I actually, yeah, 4 was like probably the worst thing I've ever seen. One of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> But uh, yeah. I was I was completely on board up until three as well. I can, uh, yeah. I can actually I can actually bring that back to video games too because uh, <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean four is actually based on a book called uh, called On Stranger Tides by a, by a dude named Tim Powers. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking books aren't video games, and you're right. <laughs> uh, Stupid. <laughs> but what is a video game is the secret of monkey island which ron gilbert has pretty much like he's he's talked about on his blog on stranger tides many times and talked about you know riffing a lot of pieces off of it voodoo magic and stuff like that is a big part of that that book and uh it made me really curious and so i picked it up and read it and i i adored the shit out of that book and when i found out they were uh, making it into a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, I was very excited, and uh, it's an even bigger letdown because like <laughs> they just shit all over. They're basically like, "Hey, let's buy the rights to this book and then not use any of the stuff from the book." So That'd be a good idea. Nice. So back to Assassin's Creed, which is where we were going. But doesn't 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 um doesn't Pirates of the Caribbean overall just have a lot of you know Monkey Island elements to it? Yeah. You know? Well, um, they both have pirates. Well, no, I mean, they both have Monkey Island elements in that it's like, it's not sort of the, for most part, when you see a pirate movie, it was always like more realistic. And this is kind of like high fantasy pirates. And I like that about it. Yeah, whereas, yeah, yeah. whereas, you know, um, and in Monkey Island, it's the same thing. It's high fantasy. So there's like magic and, but it's like voodoo magic and, 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 and now I can bring that back to Assassin's Creed because this is what's going to make it interesting. Like Assassin's Creed always kind of does, it's best to bring you back to um, what the politics and the mood were in the time periods that they explore. You know, whether or not they're always successful at it is 
it's another question, but to be a pirate, you know, and people are looking at the trailers and it's like, oh, they just kind of remade Ezio and all that. But no, you're still going to be kind of doing the shit that pirates did back then. You're going to be seeing, you're going to be like seeing the pirate take on the politics that were kind of happening in the Caribbean at the time. I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about the combat. But then they release their announcement for the DLC, um, which seems just like... (laughs) Like with with Evelyn, and I think they planned this out themselves. With Evelyn, it's like she didn't have a whole lot invested in the slave trade. She just kind of decided out of nowhere that she was going to fight um, for the common good, and there was really no explanation why. It was just her mother disappeared, and then one day she decided, "I'm going to pretend I'm a slave and free these people." And you know, she grew up in high society. She grew up pretty separate from it. Uh, so to see a guy that really kind of comes from that world. I think it's going to be interesting, at least. So uh, I saw another article, and I really just saw the title of it, and it sort of annoyed me. Uh, just asking, like, uh, will Assassin's Creed 4 bring back the franchise? So uh, apparently, I guess there's this idea that um, the franchise is shitty right now, but I, I didn't get any sense of that. I have so far loved all of the games, so I guess maybe uh, I'm just too... I'm wearing rose-tinted glasses or something. No, I think... I think, I think uh, well. I, Three is and, and, pretty much regarded as a disappointment, right? I mean, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I, I think I think Jarrett, you didn't particularly love it, but I, I actually really enjoyed it. I think um, my perception of it is this: my perception is from the trailers and all that kind of stuff. People kind of construed one thing, and the gameplay ended up kind of not following through on that. Like the first big, sm- but again, this is why I think cinematic trailers are dangerous because you release a cinematic trailer and it's not telling us anything about the gameplay and this in the cinematic trailer a lot of people responded were was that one where we saw um connor running through the battlefield and just you know being badass and dodging bullets and uh killing a bunch of red coats before he gets to the templar and i think everyone was like oh yeah there are going to be a lot of awesome moments like that in the game and really there was only one and it wasn't anywhere near as epic as it kind of looked like in the cinematic trailer but you know that was one of the big major criticisms i heard the economy i think in the game oh, was god complex yeah see he's that, groaning. that game yeah. has that game has the worst crafting system <laughs> to ever be conceived <laughs> by man yeah um, which See, once, once, once I found kind of my few little things that I could make that were making me good money, um, I stopped caring about it so much. But um, one criticism I did have of the game is, like, for a three-hour tutorial, it sure didn't teach you a whole lot. <laughs> but other than that, other, other than that, I actually had a really great time with the, with the game. I thought Connor's um, journey and his struggle was kind of really interesting, especially, especially like, once you get kind of to the end and once you get to that epilogue. Um, it just kind of speaks bounds for me about Connor and his story. But go ahead, Jared. You can probably talk more to what you didn't like about it. Well, I can actually break it down into some pretty short points. And, and a lot of it's nitpicky stuff, but it's stuff that like it's stuff that wasn't broken before, and now all of a sudden it's broken. The, the GTA. Go ahead. The optional objectives are shitty, uh, and they they show up with like little explanation of what to do. And oftentimes, like, too late to to even get them done. They sit there for the entire mission, taking up your screen. And then when you fail one, because you don't have time to do their stupid bullshit, it blares a horn and crosses it out with a giant red X just to make you feel bad. So I found found those annoying. The 
the, the the crafting system is terrible, but what's funny about it is you can go the whole game without ever using it for the most part. Like you'll always have uh, enough money to get by. Like why upgrade your equipment when it doesn't do anything? All your equipment is already as as good as it needs to be. You can play that whole game with the very first sword and never know the difference than if you'd spent all you know all the time that it takes to to craft your own shit. It reminded me of um. Of another criticism that I've never really agreed with, and that's 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 not to kind of kind of uh, write on yours, but one criticism, and it's not unique to Liberation. I mean, to uh, Assassin's Creed Three, it's happened with a lot of the games, and people seem to complain in Assassin's Creed that you get like too many toys, right, and that there's like no interface between what you get and how the game is run, and I've never really found that to be true i felt like i felt like the idea of having this many toys is first of all uh assassin's creed isn't a stealth game it's a sandbox game so the idea of having all these toys is that you can basically do or follow through on objectives however you like like whenever i was taking over a port as connor you know it's like am i going to go in loud and hard or am i going to go ahead and just kind of snipe people with the bow and arrow or am i going to use like the little you know poison dart things as avalanche so it's like you know, the toys always felt more like they were giving me options, not that, you know, they were all necessary, but I could choose my own way to do things. But you're, you're kind of citing the best part of the game, which is, which is tackling the forts. You're forgetting the part where, like, there will be a story mission that will force you to chase a guy through a crowd, and if you shoot him, you fail because you killed him. But if you catch him, you then stab him to death in a cutscene, <laughs> and it's it's right. It's, it's yeah. connects like that. Yeah, that yeah. Don't work. This the story missions are I, I thought probably the worst part of the game because they were the least open and they were just really kind of the opposite of what Assassin's Creed games had been up until that point, which is where I'd always felt like I had more of a choice for how to handle something. Do I want to try and use whatever their excuse for a stealth system is? Or or do I want to, you know, just go in loud and kill everything, which is usually the best solution anyway. But I, I think the story missions in that game are, are really, really weak. Uh, kind of like a... I'm hoping that what will wind up happening here is like a Grand Theft Auto 4 to 5 kind of thing, where I thought 4's missions were all pretty pretty dull and uninteresting. Yeah. And then conversely, 5, every single one is like, oh, wow! You know, something, yeah. something even crazier happens uh, than what happened before. So I'm hoping that's something that they can kind of remedy a little bit. But see, I, I, I think I think for me with Assassin's Creed, and like I'm not a huge fan of the series. I I, I haven't played that many. I've only played uh, Brotherhood, and then I went to Three and Liberation. You know, didn't play any of the others. So, but I think I think for me for Assassin's Creed Three, there are definitely story missions that aren't exactly memorable. You know, but I don't think anything ever really got in my way or like really super annoyed me when i played grand theft auto 4 i got into a bunch of missions and since everything was always kind of the same thing it was always a matter of how many bad guys you had to fight and how few how few uh, guns you had and that's what really dragged down the grand theft auto 4 experience for me um and you're right grand theft auto 5 did a, did a great job of making everything interesting but um i think as long as i'm not distracted from kind of the game playing what's going on as long as it's like not so bad that i'm finding it to be a pain in the ass then i'm generally pretty happy with my sandbox games see and i don't i don't want to spend the entire podcast talking about why i didn't like a year old game but i'll I'll also mention (laughs) if you bought it on launch uh you probably had an even worse experience because that game should not have been released in the state it was in um i remember 
at least two to three times that I was killed by a floating musket that had no person holding it. <laughs> and it would, it would like sword fight with me a little bit and then shoot me to death. See, I never ran into any of those problems. Because I, I remember you and I got the game at the same time. And um, I never ran into any serious thing in terms of glitches. So I guess I was lucky as far as Assassin's Creed 3 was concerned. Well, I, I felt like it was pretty buggy. I don't know. I, um, I guess I'm just a huge whore for Assassin's Creed. It's one of the few franchises where I'm just like consistently pleased and positive about it. Because usually I can just find the negative in anything. I felt like even the... I didn't even feel like the missions were necessarily weak just because... Uh, from the point of view of Connor, he didn't give a shit about why he was doing most of his stuff anyways. It was just in the way of him trying to sort of get revenge for what happened to his tribe. So, right. and I sort of, that's what was kind of fueling me. So even though I was, it was kind of a drag to do some of the missions in between, but uh, for me, like the bookends at the beginning and end, like the whole reason why he's actually doing it was enough to keep me going, but I don't know. And and you know you may be right, Jarrett, because I think my fondest memories of the game didn't really have a whole lot to do with this, with the story missions. Um, not so much the story. Like the story, I'm actually a pretty big fan of. And aside from the jumping around thing, uh, Assassin's Creed always does. I felt Connor was one of the more kind of concrete characters for me. You know, but I I, I do think a lot of the stuff that they had going on outside of the story was kind of a blast uh like the taking over the ports uh, as i already said the sea missions and the home the home front stuff and i'm not i'm not saying that i i thought it was a bad game like i I think if i was scoring it for the site i probably still would have given it a four because i just find it to be uh you know i'm a big fan of the series too i have i have all of them i have brotherhood and revelations and i played through i think assassin's creed 2 is the only game where I got every single achievement that you could on the Xbox. Like usually I don't go for collectibles and crap like that, but I just had so much fun running around that I didn't mind. Um, it just bothers me that like I enjoyed two is probably one of my favorite games of this generation. And so then for three to do so much stuff that just like was nagging and bugged me. But let me give you, let me give you one last one, which is that, uh, the Desmond plot line. Um, pretty pretty much finishes with the wettest fart that Ubisoft could have possibly crammed onto that disc. Let's like, be honest. I was not interested. I haven't been interested in the Desmond storyline since. Uh, <laughs> I think I even lost interest <laughs> in the Desmond storyline somewhere in Assassin's Creed One. I've just never been interested now, at all. Now I may I'm, I may be speaking out of turn because, like I said, I haven't played the both series, but. The Desmond storyline was just the most uninteresting thing. It was like, you know, they left you, they left you kind of with blue balls at the end of Brotherhood, and you were like, kind of, kind of like what's going to happen next. But I didn't really care in Brotherhood. Three, it was terrible. For the games I didn't play, I looked at all the videos online, and he's just kind of like the most uninteresting character in the world. From a from a gameplay perspective, it wasn't as offensive as the stuff they shoved down your throat in Revelations for him. Uh, the first person floating missions more specifically. But, um, but either way, like, I, I don't get how you could acknowledge that it was so terrible. Like, why is an eighth of every single one of these games something that I have to suffer through? Well, my, my, to my play the parts is, that I like. My theory is this. With Assassin's Creed, you're always playing through, you're always playing as a protagonist who's, I, who's like, different because, you know, you know, their racial background is different or their cultural background is different. So the idea, I think, with Desmond was to create this character that players will have access to and that, that they'll care about. 
And I think what ended up happening is with Desmond, they shot themselves in the foot, and instead of having an Axis character, they just ended up stuck with them. And it's like, we don't really know what to do with this guy now. Well, you know what scares me most about the Desmond story? Uh, and we were talking about this last week when we were talking about Fahrenheit or uh, Indigo Prophecy or whatever. Um, I f- sort of feel like the Desmond story is going in the direction of Indigo Prophecy in a way. <laughs> like, it's getting a little too strange and, like, mystical and yeah. magical. Well, hopefully, I, and I'll try my best not to spoil anything here, but ho- hopefully we won't be seeing him in four. I, I guess <laughs> I guess by just... saying I'm going to try not to spoil anything, I probably did spoil something, but with, right. with, with any luck, uh, he is still kicking it on that island with... Uh, with uh, his girlfriend or... And then, see, they use the Desmond storyline also to try and tie in some of their Expanded Universe stuff, which um, I did I did follow the Expanded Universe, but it, they, they did a sloppy job of it. Well, it's, know, it's a fun of... way to explain away anachronisms and stuff, but... Yeah, and then I... See, what they did, what they did in, um, in Liberation, though, is what I kind of guessed what they would do um, after finishing Assassin's Creed 3. Because it felt like in Assassin's Creed 3... They were trying to soften up your perspective of the Templars a little bit, you know, uh, if they felt kind of less blatantly evil and more like they just felt like they were on the right side, but for different reasons. And they try to make good points. And I feel like between I feel like what Ubisoft is trying to do is they're trying to set us up more so that future Assassin's Creed we play, you know, whatever that present day storyline is or that future storyline is going to be, that's going to be more from the perspective of the Templars. And I was almost right, because in Liberation, they do something that's kind of weird, but it it's kind of close to my theory. In that Avalon story, you're you're experiencing it as, I guess, I don't know. I don't I don't remember what the Templars made themselves known. Like, the modern-day plotline is just kind of a mess anyway. But the Templars released Avalon's game as, like, an actual game to the public, and that's what you're playing. And then some Templar intern or whatever, he's hacking the game to show you the truth. It's it's very, very odd, but closer to what I had guessed. Yeah. I just, I just want to be a pirate. Like, I don't want to... <laughs> And see, that's that's really where it's at at the end of the day. At the end of the day, no one really cares about the modern day storyline. Everyone just, just drop it, just cut it out, and let me just be a pirate. And oh, yeah. what's what's that? Computer effects? Ah, piratey. <laughs> I mean, the log- <laughs> the logical conclusion would be like if we could just strip this all down, and if they could just do it all over again, it would be uh, you know following this lineage without dipping into Desmond at all. And then if we really wanted to, at the end of it all. Uh, you know, when we get up to that m- modern timeline, then we can have like one Desmond game where, you know, we play as Desmond and do all of the modern things we have to do because we already like we already went through all of history. And I'm going to I'm going to say this as well. The more we play as other assassins in his lineage, the more we realize how much Desmond kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Especially with Connor's um, beautiful broad shoulders, and then you go back to Desmond, and he's just like this little stick. <laughs> right. Well, that's the that's the problem, right? Is like so you're 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 Connor Kenway, and your village gets burned down, and then you exit the Animus, and Desmond like complains that his dad doesn't hug him. <laughs> <laughs> I I just watched what happened to my great 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 grandmother. And that's five. That's not hyperbole. There's a conversation you can have. Oh, I'm well aware. Where you yeah. are mad at yeah. your father, and the only remedy is a, a, a good old hug. I went through yeah. all that, and I was like, "Oh God, someone shoot me!" So I feel like I feel like that's probably enough of that. 
Uh, that's more than enough of that. Uh, Michael, this did has been you the play, Enemy uh, Slime Assassins <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Michael, did you play? Uh, what is that? Is that Etrian or Etrian Odyssey? Uh, I'm guessing it's Etrian Odyssey. Okay. And uh, Sherlock Holmes. I don't know if you played either of those. Uh, I I was hoping to open Sherlock Holmes earlier today, but I got called into the office. So at the moment, I've only played Etrian or Etrian Odyssey. Okay. We'll just take a vote I'd on how it. it's pronounced. Etrian. 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 So here's all I know. Here's all I know about. I'm really curious as to your experiences with the game and if it's anything like the previous ones, because here's all I know about it. All I know is one day I saw some artwork of one of the characters from the game and a doggy, and it was very obscene. That's about all I know about the game. Uh, I would have kept that for myself. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Well, so far, nobody has had sex with a dog in this game. Okay. (laughs) So, sorry. You say that like Uh, there's time, though. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm only like four or five hours into it. There's still plenty of time to... How do we get onto this topic? (laughs) (laughs) So, I... I think that uh, for all of us, for, for all three of us, and, and probably even including you, this, this is a series that's been around for a long time. I mean, there's four of them spanning the DS and the 3DS. And so I guess my question is, uh, what, what is it? <laughs> that is a fair question. It all takes place in one town. I don't remember what the town is called. It may be Etrian, but you play as a Highlander, and your job is to... You know, I don't know what my job is either, actually. <laughs> Wait a minute, you're, you're four to five hours in this game and you have no idea what the fuck's going on. Well, all right. First off, your character is a silent protagonist, so he doesn't expound upon what he's doing very much. I know I was sent to the town to assist the Rada, which is like the king or magistrate or something. And so far, all he does is just send me into the dungeon to go find shit. And it's one of those games, like, did anyone ever play uh, Shining in the Darkness or... Um, Bard's Tale. Yeah. Yeah, I played a Bard's Tale. Okay, it's exactly like that where it's first person perspective and you move through the dungeon, you know, tile by tile. It, what you're describing, I know this isn't accurate, but what you're describing sounds like Shadowgate. My, nobody, nobody remembers Shadowgate? (laughs) I'm pretty sure I played Shadowgate. I just can't remember which one it is. Shadowgate, it was, there was one on the Nintendo 64 and there's, there's, it goes for, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Except that was more puzzle game. You didn't like fight. Do you, do you fight things? What do I? Do? What am I going to do in the dungeon? In Shadowgate or in? No, in, <laughs> I've played Shadowgate. <laughs> I know what that is. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you go into the dungeon, and it's there's a game like this, and I can't remember which it was, but there's just one dungeon, and it's just level upon level upon level, and you know you build up your strength, and you know as the story progresses, you go deeper into the dungeon and fight newer and stronger enemies. So. It's really a, a game for people who like RPG combat a lot. Like, you, yeah, I still haven't. I mean, I've I've only been to the one town. I don't think you go to another town. But uh, you know, overall, like, it's RPG combat that you probably could have done on like Super Nintendo. But it's not too bad. I mean, they mix it up. There's a lot of things to do. You have uh, a lot of tactics you can use. Like, you build up your character builds, and they get different skills which you can use. And it's not bad. Um, you know, I've, I haven't played a JRPG in a very long time because it's just, you know, always so much the same. And this game is kind of so much the same. 
Alright, mm, well it sounds like it's even less of the same, because all you're doing is kind of crawling, going to that dungeon. Well, you know, I mean, you have, uh, there is a story. Okay. You're the Highlander, and you found <laughs> this mysterious girl who was in suspended animation, and she has a gun. Oh, so it is, it is, it is the same as every JRPG. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> this sounds like a lot more intrigue than what you were... Keep me on to before, where you're just like, well, you just do what the king wants. He just tells you to go into the dungeon, so you do it. Well, like I said, I'm only five hours into it, and five hours is not a long time in this game, because... Right. Oh, that's, that's another thing, is, you know, it's on the 3DS, which, man, 3D is killing me, but... Um, so, you know, on your main screen, you have your point of view, where you're going through the dungeon, and then on the bottom screen, you have a map, but as you go through the dungeon, you have to draw your own map. Oh, okay. Yeah, which uh, uh, like I think it's kind of a cool, cool idea, here, but, but it, as I go through the game, it tells me, you know, you'll get a bonus if you, you know, complete your map or something, and I haven't found any reason to complete my map other than it's just nice to have a map, so I don't know why the game isn't doing this for me, right. because, because trying a map need, is kind of tedious. Because they need that connectivity for the 3DS feature. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not to be cynical, but that's about the only reason I can think of. I wonder if that's a staple of the series, because like I said, I've never played any of them. And I know that the one that you're playing is kind of a pseudo-remake of the first one. Really? Um, so I really don't know like what's what's going on after that. Wasn't there a the old Wind Waker game where they made you draw your own maps or something? Yeah. Yeah, um, Phantom Hourglass kind of has some elements like that. I mean, the whole game for Phantom Hourglass is controlled with the stylus. Right. Uh, same with Spirit Tracks. They're both just stylus only. And they take a little figuring out. But yeah, you can you can pull down the map basically and make notes and stuff on it. Or draw a dick or do whatever. <laughs> and actually that that's another thing is you have you know, you have to draw your own map. So one of the nice things is you can leave yourself little notes. Um you can pull little icons from the right hand side of the screen, put them on the map, you know, like a treasure chest or whatever. That game does not have a picture that looks like anything I want for anything that I discover in the dungeon. It's like I find magical fruit, I'm gonna use the uh the the heart, <laughs> or maybe no, one of gotta, the six different icons for a door. But like, I don't I don't know that I follow. Like once you collect the treasure, why would you want to come back and look at the treasure again? Okay, that fair point. But there is actually a treasure <laughs> chest icon. So the one thing you really don't need, it has. But what if you get like ten hours into this game and it's like, all right, let's see how you did on your maps, and then and you did really shitty. <laughs> Well, I'm doing a very good job on my maps because of that reason. I'm worried that it's going to get to a point where it is actually going to look at my maps and say, like, no, you did you did bad. Start over. <laughs> was was I the only one who actually physically drew a map when I was playing uh, The Legend of Zelda on NES? Uh, no, that, yeah, I had that. That actually would have helped a lot. I just got lost and gave <laughs> up. <laughs> if you want to know how bad I am at video games, here's a confession. <laughs> I have never found ever by myself the first dungeon in the legend of Zelda. <laughs> what i can't find him where the fuck is it <laughs> i can find like, the third dungeon i keep finding this one that's shaped like a swastika but i <laughs> do not know don't know where the first one is oh that's not good yeah so what is this inner world i keep seeing you playing so it's a uh hopefully i'll have the review up tomorrow uh it's a adventure game uh, point-and-click adventure. I saw it come up on Steam uh, for new releases, and I decided that I had to grab it. And um, so I don't know if you guys know this, but in uh, in Germany, they still make adventure games. Like, you don't have to be the most famous adventure game creator of all time to make one. one. Like, like, anybody can can 
not anybody, but like you could you could make one and you could go to a publisher and be like, I'm making an adventure game, and they wouldn't think you were crazy. They would <laughs> they would accept this and and let you do it. And it, it's uh, so it's about it's about a world. I can't believe I'm having as much trouble explaining this as I can. It's about a, a circular world, except all of the city and like population live on the inside of it. So imagine the Earth is hollow. We would basically live underground. Like, uh, forget gravity for a minute. Just ignore that. Okay. And we build our cities inside the Earth around the outside rim. Yes. Okay. And in order to in order to breathe in this sphere, they have wind tunnels or wind wind something wind fountains. That's what they call them. And uh, and, and they pipe in wind. And, and basically, long story short. Uh, all the fountains have kind of died out and there are uh, these monsters that they believe are wind gods that are emerging from them. And uh, if if you're being immoral or sinning or, or being a bad person, these gods will turn you into stone. And so they're through, through this crisis where people are, you know, having these fountains that let them breathe uh, fail – and being turned into stone by these monsters through this crisis, a, a man rises to power who is an abbot. He looks like a, a Catholic cardinal or something like that. And um, he basically teaches the people, you know, how to how to be uh, moral and how to uh, how to behave properly and how not to sin and to avoid being turned to stone by these monsters. And he winds up becoming exceedingly wealthy and uh, and powerful and, and also corrupt as a result of that. And basically, you, you play a, a little kid that, that he has who uh, he adopted at a young age. Uh, and, oh, man. This kid, this character, his name is Robert. He is probably the creepiest character that I've ever played in a, in a video game. Like, he is just, he's very childish. He's, he's lived in a tower his whole life. So they're trying to play up the whole, like, oh, he doesn't know about the world outside they're they're doing like an an Encino Man or um what what other movie can I list uh, what's that movie with Brendan Fraser where he's stuck in a nuclear uh, blast from the past blast from the past oh, God. <laughs> this this kid is Brendan Night, Fraser from Blast from the Past except very like pedophilia overtones just a real <laughs> he's got this high pitched British voice every everywhere he goes he's like hello oh I would love to do that oh goody and. <laughs> He's just creepy as shit, and he he sets off on a on a quest basically to uh, to help fix the world. Um, long long story short, I'll, I'll kind of spoil it a little bit. Conroy, the the abbot who's controlling the world, he's basically evil. He's uh, he's addicted to cocaine. He mistreats, and I'm not making that up. He, <laughs> look at the <laughs> look at the screenshots of this game, and then understand that the main villain is addicted to cocaine. <laughs> Because um, this looks like a kids' game. This looks like so, something that came out on like uh, Apple II or something. Um, it's like not... like actual coke. You're not being facetious. Well, so the game never says cocaine, but you find <laughs> you you find his container of powdered sugar. Oh God! And, and Robert talks about how Conroy would tell him how good the powdered sugar made him feel and how it <laughs> gave him enough energy to to guide his people. <laughs> And then Robert even talks about how Conroy made him try the powdered sugar once, and he he was uh, he couldn't stop using it. He was so addicted to the stuff; it took him <laughs> a long time to get off the the good stuff. I mean, okay. <laughs> um, at one point, you poison a pet with the cocaine, and it and it uh, breaks off its leash and sails off into the world. 
but yeah, you're you're just you're you're, you're creepy as shit. And the thing is, is like this game looks like it's for children, but none of the jokes are really for kids. And like the very storyline about this corrupt, evil religious leader who uh, who is controlling the world that you're trying to kind of revolt against, like not really for children. Um, there's some swearing, there's some adult stuff, but then there's like just the most cartoony bad jokes ever. And so I don't really know who this was for. I don't <laughs> think it would be, I don't think it would be appealing to a grown up. but I also don't think that you would be being responsible if you let a child play it. It's, also, it's also too hard for a child. Right. But it's also German. So who knows what they're into. Well, and so that's actually what I was going to kind of talk about a little bit is I think that a lot of this game just kind of got lost in translation. Like, I think it's a game that maybe was funny and had some good jokes and had some and like, biting humor to it. Cocaine. And, and then what? <laughs> and maybe didn't admit it was cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and that stuff's kind of funny, but like the, <laughs> the dialogue around it just doesn't work. Like the, the concept of this poor abused child uh being forced to become addicted to cocaine that he thinks is powdered sugar. I don't know. There's some there's there's probably some dark humor there. It's me laugh. But but somewhere along the way as this is translated, it just doesn't work. And the voice actors come in two varieties, um okay and abysmal. Uh and most of them have the same problem that like Heavy Rain had where you can tell that they're non-native English speakers and so like they enunciate the wrong words or like they'll They'll say a statement, but they'll make it sound like a question because they don't understand how questions work. <laughs> and, and so they'll be like, thanks for rescuing me. You're really great. <laughs> it, just, it doesn't work. <laughs> it does not work. It's not horrible voice acting, but it's enough that like any drama that that game could build up is just dead. Like uh, when you find out really heavy stuff like like dead relatives and things like that and talk about it it just sounds wrong like it and, it, and it's so bluntly translated to um it's it's never like oh you know my my parents have passed away or something like that it's like my parents are dead my <laughs> parents are dead <laughs> something, <laughs> something like that um i'm sorry to hear that I'm i'm sorry to hear that i think um <laughs> the puzzles are just a little too tricky it does something that really bugs me in adventure games which is um there's not a lot of rejection dialogue so if you take an item and try to use it with another item there are three canned responses that the character has he'll either say that won't work the creepiest one is he says "Ooh, that could be fun but no (laughs) and then and then there's another one where he says you're just you're just guessing now aren't you and um it's not helpful. Like he never explains why something doesn't work. And so there's never any hints for what would work. Do you know what I mean? You know what game handles that gracefully as hell? The Raven. So how does, how does the Raven <laughs> handle that kind of stuff? I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Well, first off, we, we did talk about this in uh, episode seven, version one, which was unsuitable for mortal ears. The, the lost episode. The lost episode, <laughs> I'll call it. It sort of handles this by kind of walking you through uh, the main character's thought process. Uh, maybe you'll do something out of order. Maybe you have the right idea, but you're not thinking through the whole process. And they oddly account for the, they, they account for the things that you wouldn't expect for them to have thought of. So when you try to do something that you can't do yet, but you're on the right track, he'll say... Well, that makes sense, but here's why that doesn't make sense right now. And he'll actually voice it and, and say that. 
I don't think he uses any canned responses when you do anything, which is extremely helpful. So he's never like, ooh, that sounds fun, but no, no, I won't, I won't be doing that. It's seriously, it's seriously like you're controlling Michael Jackson. Uh. White, white, whiter Michael Jackson yeah. uh, the entire game. And like, um, but yeah, that, that really bugs me just from like a bad puzzle game design perspective. Um, cause I just feel like there's not a lot of, there's not really a lot of hints sent your way. And, uh, and so because of that, it, it took me, it took me a while. I, it took me about six hours to get through that game. And I think there's probably only five uh, hours of content or so, but it's, uh, it, it's not great. I really wish it had turned out better and it, it probably could have been if it had just had maybe a more loving translation, some slightly better voice actors and then maybe just a little extra dialogue to kind of help help you along but there's a lot of item combining you you combine items together to create you know uh, weird macgyver-esque tools to accomplish your goals and there's at least two or three that i can think of that i built in the game that i just did by dragging the items on each other until they worked like i just sat there and tried each item with one another until they worked. And there were never any hints or never any indications what would work and what wouldn't. And I just kind of had to keep doing it that way. So There's not a lot of that in uh, The Raven, I noticed. It's just, um, it's hard to explain. It's it's not like, it's not linear in the sense that um, you don't feel like you didn't make any choices. But at the same time, you don't really make very many mistakes where you find yourself just digging through your inventory. I never once got to a point where I started just combining random items because uh, it just wouldn't have made logical sense at the time to even try to do that. And completing the puzzles is always pretty logical. And then another thing that they do to sort of keep it, uh, to keep puzzles interesting is like um, right at the beginning of the game, you have to pick a lock and uh you do that by actually picking it and then uh later on they make you do it yourself by letting you like bend the the hairpin and push it through the lock until all the tumblers go up and they do they do a fair number of puzzles like that where they'll introduce you to the general idea and then later they'll let you do it yourself and uh it, all of those puzzles have like their own little sort of mini game system so it's pretty fun all the all signs point to the fact that you need to play the raven instead yeah i guess i guess i learned my lesson there it does sound like a better game <laughs> and i'll tell you what else is is creepy is is robert is a very short individual who pretty much because of his <laughs> because of his condition uh living in the tower for so long shielded from the outside world he, he he's pretty much got the mentality of like a, a seven-year-old right um and you meet this older girl who's uh you know like a good foot and a half taller than him still a, a young girl uh but a, a good foot and a half taller than him and he falls in love with her as the game progresses um and it feels less than mutual and he keeps saying really creepy stuff to her <laughs> um like talking about giving her a, a wedding ring and stuff like that and i I guess this is kind of a spoiler. You really just shouldn't play this game. You should play the you should play the Raven instead. But if you don't mind me spoiling it, there's a part where the girl is uh, frozen and encased in stone, and before he frees her, before he de stones her, he makes sure to run down and give her a big old kiss on the lips uh, while she's frozen in uh, stone. <laughs> So you know, that would, al- that would almost seem like uh, innocent and cute or something were it not for all the descriptions you just gave us of this child. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like I, I feel like maybe this could have been innocent and cute if it had just been translated slightly better. But it's 
it's just really creepy and and weird. Um, like, yeah, I went down and I jerked off on the statue before I got around. <laughs> There, there are parts that are Aww. interesting. There's a couple uh, monsters that you interact with in the game that I thought were pretty, pretty funny, uh, pretty interesting. But for the most part, it's it's not great. It's okay. It, it's I'd say it has a pretty tightly constructed first half, and then the second half just gets too hard to be fun, and it's just not very intuitive. It's, you're just gonna walk around and you're gonna hear him say, "That could be fun." you know thousands of times before you finish this game it's very disappointing bad news the inventory gets bloated too towards the end like there's at least one segment where you're going to have almost like 10 or 12 items in your inventory that you need to kind of sort through and it's just it's too much for the puzzles that you're being asked to do there's also something else that bugs me in adventure games which is red herring items that don't do anything you can pick you can pick them up but you will never ever use them for anything don't think I've gotten a red herring item yet. I'm not. I don't remember though. But I'm pretty sure there hasn't been a single one, and I'm already like a third of the way through Act Two. So bodes well, as far as I'm concerned. They bother me. It's nice to just play that kind of game, but I wish it. I wish it had been a better one. So uh, beyond Two Souls, or uh, we could listen to Jay get angry about GTA Online. Well, it's funny because Beyond Two Souls kind of kind of ties into it as well uh just from that bad translation standpoint i did i did a lot of thinking after we talked about david cage last week (laughs) i I did some pondering and i kind of came to the conclusion that i really like what david cage tries to do and like I, i like his goals i like his aspirations but the problem is is i don't like his writing or directing i think for the most part um, as as good as Heavy Rain was, like that's the we- It's funny because the weakest part of Heavy Rain is is the plot, right? Like the these giant plot holes and things that don't make sense, right? And like aside from some control issues, uh, that's that's definitely the worst part of the game, and uh, that's not good because the guy is so wrapped up in basically making interactive movies uh, that it, it's probably going to cause some trouble. I'm hoping that things will go better for him in Beyond Two Souls. Because at least he got some English voice actors. And so far, it's good. Uh, so far, I'm enjoying what I've played. It's a fantastic-looking game. I think it probably looks better than Heavy Rain, which was already really pretty. Like, Quantic Dream has friggin' graphics down. If they could just fit something fun to play behind it, that'd be <laughs> that'd be perfect. So it's not, it's not fun to play yet? Uh, no, actually, it's more fun to play, I think, than I had with Heavy Rain, because you, you control a ghost who can wander freely through walls for a good, por- or I assume for a good portion of the game. I'm only just like a little under an hour in. Um, but you can wander around as this ghost. And like your very first uh, experience with this is you, you go into another room and you predict cards that a woman is drawing. Um, she, you, you can't see her, but basically the ghost will relay what card it is. And you point to the card and the scientists that are monitoring you are like, oh, good job. Um, but you have the option of, basically scaring the complete living shit out of this lady by like knocking over all the stuff in the room and (laughs) shaking the table and locking the door and rattling the cabinets. And um, it's, I don't know. It's very satisfying to just completely ruin this like 50 year old, old lady's life. (laughs) (laughs) Very satisfying. Just scaring the hell out of her. I, I guess I am pretty curious in how it controls if it's what it would be if it's going to be closer to Heavy Rain or if it just feels more natural because I remember you know I remember when Heavy Rain was first kind of released 
it talked about this teenage girl with superpowers and the military was hunting her and all this kind of stuff. And so we knew a little bit of the plot line for a while. And then when they started doing their big, uh, their big um, Beyond Two Souls push, uh, they initially released like the first 30 minutes, which is Ellen Page and she's homeless and you're with these other homeless people and you're doing all this really kind of dramatic down to earth shit, right? And the internet goes crazy for this. It's like, oh man, I've never seen a game like this before. You know, this is going to be really interesting. It's going to be the best thing ever, et cetera, et cetera. You know, all the game journalism or should I say social justice websites are like, oh yeah, like they're finally going to nail it. And then we see another gameplay video. And this gameplay video shows more of the military stuff. And then I look at it and I go, that's awesome. And then all the game sites are like, Oh no! What happened? What happened to this other great down to earth game we saw? So, <laughs> so I, I can only tell you a little bit because obviously I haven't done any of the big combat scenarios yet. Yeah, but basically, uh, Jody, the main character, she controls pretty much exactly like a character from Heavy Rain. So she feels like a tank. It doesn't really feel like you're controlling her so much as trying to uh, direct her off of the course that she has planned to go on. So she she is walking wherever she wants, and you just kind of feel like you're just barely having some influence on like moving her in a direction that you'd like her to go. I don't remember having this problem in Heavy Rain, but the camera controls are mapped to the right thumbstick, and all of your interaction controls are mapped to the right thumbstick as well. So if I want to look around, I use the thumbstick, but if I walk up to a door, I also need to use the thumbstick to open the door. And all, maybe it's just that there's going to be a learning curve for this, but already I have accidentally interacted with a lot of things that I did not want to. So, and with David Cage games, like that means that I could be like having sex that I didn't want to have <laughs> any minute now. Like, who knows? I didn't mean to fillet that. I, I love his focus on story. And it's something that really, really interests me about video games. Uh, like my my game of the years are, are guaranteed to be the ones that had the tightest narratives uh, this year. And and so I love that concept, and I love that he's pushing that, and I love that he got Willem Dafoe and Ellen Page to be in a video game. Like that's awesome stuff. Um, and this is this at least for the first few minutes that I've been playing feels more compelling than Heavy Rain. Um, what worries me is that what was most appealing about Heavy Rain was the emphasis on choice. Like uh, everybody here who played that game came up with a a pretty different ending, uh, dramatically different experience. Like some of you guys saw parts of that game that I never saw, and vice versa. And um, and I don't feel like this game, at least so far, is going to shape out the same way. Like I feel like that might go the wayside to just tell the narrative that he wants and. That's the problem is like the best part of Heavy Rain was that I could make it my story instead of David Cage's story. Right. So we'll mm-hmm. we'll see. I, I'm I'm excited. I, I'm not like some other people who just think the well's been poisoned already and refuse to drink from it. Like I'm I'm going to give it an honest shot and, and see what I think. How much money do we think that Rockstar needs before they can afford to fix their online servers? <laughs> well, it's not enough that... Uh... And the copies that they sold of GTA 5, I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> Not because of all this microtransaction bullshit that's going on. Uh, okay, so let's see. Where do I start? I guess I start by saying that Grand Theft Auto 5 is easily both the best and the worst game that I've ever played. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best set if, you're, if you only play like the single-player mode. And if you get through that storyline, 
you know, the storyline is awesome. The missions are great. I have nothing but praise for it. The characters are really interesting. And, um, you know, when I got to the end of it, I just kind of wished there was more to do. And I'm still doing more stuff. I'm going out to the collectibles and I have a few missions I didn't wrap up. And I thought my more to do was going to come in the form of Grand Theft Auto Online. <laughs> and that clearly was not the case. The first part is it's pretty clear to me that everything in the gameplay design is kind of geared towards pushing the player towards microtransactions. You know, Rockstar promised microtransactions wouldn't get in the way of the gameplay and in the way of progression and that it would only for people that wanted a little bit of an edge. But by a little bit of an edge, I think they mean actually being able to play the fucking game. It's it's. It's like painful. It's it's the gameplay design reminds me of stuff we saw maybe 15 years ago, and it totally ignores all the lessons they learned in the Grand Theft Auto series up until five. It it feels like it feels a lot closer, like the mission structure and the and the difficulty curve and all this stuff feels a lot closer to GTA two and GTA three. Um, so you know, not even in the mo- modern era GTAs, it feels like they took a few steps back with this. You know, hospital bills are steep. They like something like two thousand um, dollars, and and usually you can't make more than two thousand dollars per mission or for knocking over a convenience store. You can make more money if you steal a car and if you sell it. You know, but you can only do this every something like forty five minutes or fifty fifty minutes. So it's like a huge kind of cool down. Um, I already kind of hate that idea. Just putting cooldowns on everything. Like, let's just put a cooldown on all the gameplay, so then you can just yeah. wait. And yeah, and then I haven't been on. I haven't been on game really since. Um, I don't forget what happened. It was either Friday or Saturday, and I'll explain what happened in a second. <laughs> but I haven't been on the game. And, but apparently, there was some mission that was repeatable where you can make nine thousand dollars easy in a mission. So Rockstar's been releasing like patch after patch and apparently in this last patch they fixed it so that you can't farm that mission anymore so that that kind of 9k you were making for that mission either now you have to wait for the mission or it's less money or it's something it's something ridiculous and i notice everything is just kind of such a cash cash sink in that game like like things are three times four times as expensive as they are in the game you know you really have to budget out stuff it's like am i going to buy an apartment or am i going to get one or two upgrades for my car Clothing is super expensive. Weapons are super expensive. And then everything takes away your money. Like I said, there's medical bills, but you can get medical bills for failing a mission. And you know you know how it is in the normal game that if you fail a mission, you get the option to kind of retry over. And the only time you're going to pay medical costs is if you die on a mission and then decide to quit. It's not like that in this game. Every mission you fail, that's it. Your money's gone. If another player kills you, that's another medical bill. So even if you are smart about your money, um, which you cannot be, and you can lose everything you've made if another player kills you, you know it's all really rough. It's 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 a huge kind of money sink, and the gameplay mechanics are are so kind of awful. Um, the mission structure, quote unquote, are you know there's a few, I guess I'll call them kind of old schoolish Grand Theft Auto style missions where it's like go here and kill this gang member. So you go there. But there are so many gang members against you, and they do so much damage, and you lose health so quickly. Um, they have a lot of health, too, that it basically feels like, yeah, the mission says you can complete it on your own, but you need a team. And, you know, I'm sure someone out there is going, duh, it's a multiplayer game, of course you need a team. <laughs> but I played 
MMOs where, you know, I could do stuff solo just fine on my own and not have as hard of a time as Grand Theft Auto Online is giving me. Well, I mean, the game does have a solo mode. It has a solo it's mode. It's called but... single, single player. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. And this is I, I, spent a, I spent a while thinking about it. And people keep saying you get the online free with the game. And that's a total misconception because you're not getting it free. It's a feature. The online the is game. part of the game. Exactly. The online is part of the game. People have to stop treating it like, oh, Rockstar was so generous. They just felt like they were going to give us a whole other part of the game. It's like, no, it's an actual feature. And if the full product doesn't work, you have a right to complain about that part of the product that doesn't work. You know, and I, I, I think I think, you know, we have Rockstar's defense force coming up and saying, oh, yeah, but it, it's fine. It's like, you know, we, this is a free part of the game. Don't play it if you don't like it. And it's like. And we actually discussed this a little bit before coming to the podcast. Um, I think you mean. I think you mean you discussed it. <laughs> I think you no, mean. We, I think we, you mean we, you sent messages. Me about. and Michael. Me and Michael actually did have a conversation about. This. We hashed it out at one point. We hashed it out at one point. Um, so and I think. I what think did you guys they, figure out? This is, this is what I figured out about the online. The online for me was so distractingly bad it detracted from my experience of the overall game it's like it's one thing to throw a multiplayer into a game and you know it's kind of it's kind of just there i can ignore it it's like you know you know like mass effect 3 it's multiplayer that was just kind of just there and it was it was pretty okay at that uh gta 4's multiplayer was there and it was it was good all that kind of stuff but i've never had a multiplayer that was so bad i kind of act actively had to think about how bad it was uh, just because they're using so many backwards mechanics and because it's so obvious that this is kind of a cash grab. And I think what's interesting is I actually have a friend who works in um, in finance. He works for, um, you know, a card company, um, a credit card company. And he's able to see some of Rockstar's kind of financial reports. And he came to me with what their strategy was. And apparently Rockstar has been super worried about um, social networking and social media, and they feel like it's a threat. Obviously, and... not enough to make their apps work. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 feel like it's a threat, and they feel like the way to counter this is kind of with their multiplayer and online games. So, for whatever reason, Ken Levine was able to block it from happening in Bioshock Infinite, and they actually cited, you know, certain creative types might be a problem in terms of getting this content onto their disc. Um, but clearly, you know, Max Payne 3 and Red Dead and now GTA 5 have not been able to block it. And now they have this online mode. And I think, you know, if, in, in case someone is still out there and feeling that Rockstar is altruistic and they decide to give us this free online mode, no, it's very, it's very clear kind of, kind of from their financial reports and from, from their risk assessment and from their strategy that this was intended to make them more money. Um, you know, Grand Theft, Grand Theft, I think, is kind of a major, you know, chunk of what Rockstar makes off something. They don't make Grand Theft Autos often. You know, so it's like we're going to have to squeeze people for everything they're worth with this, especially if Facebook or whatever the hell it is takes over the world and we lose people. And that's that's kind of what's going on here. And it's painfully kind of apparent. And then we could talk about the fact that the game just doesn't work. It's like, you know, um, it's a clear ca ca cash grab and they needed even more of one through the patches. But that's not going to matter if no one's playing your fucking game. I, I managed to grind a character up to rank 14. And I got her a nice little apartment. We got, like, um, 
you know, our starter car, and then I spent a little extra on a little motorcycle, and everything's just kind of gone. Um, you know, Rockstar released a statement later that if you ever get disconnected from the online, do not push the retry button because this will delete your character. Um, <laughs> you know, and this happened like right after, of course, I hit the retry button on my character, and so now all that work and I haven't like really touched it. Can since. we it's take just... the code out of the retry button that deletes the character? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it sounds like a strange uh, fix, but I think it would work. <laughs> you know, it's it's um to go back to kind of like assuming that the game does work. You you talk a lot about the need to spend money and stuff like that, but what's funny is this game, at least the free roam that I was playing, uh, it makes me feel like I... It reminds me actually a lot of Ultima Online, and the reason why I say that is because, you, you know, you, you go in and you spend all this money to soup up your car, and then you drive it, and you get out, and you go rob a liquor store, and then when you come back, some asshole just <laughs> stole it. And it was kind of the same with Ultima, where, like, you didn't... You could get like super rare, you know, Valorite plate mail or some shit, you know, enchanted swords that glow and all this kind of crazy stuff. But you'd be an idiot for putting it on and running around in it because you're just going right. to get killed and, and someone's <laughs> going to take it and you just wasted all your time. And that's, um, that's, that's exactly what it is. And that's why I say it reminds me of design from 15 years ago. It's like, you know, the grinding. But so, like, you, you complain about uh, money being hard to come by and always needing... I, I guess my question is, like, what do you what do you want money for? Like, it doesn't feel like there's anything... I, I guess guns, so you can do better well, in the online. But it's all just iterative, because you buy guns to kill people better uh, to get more money to buy guns. Oh, uh, that's that's not true. That's not what's that's not that's not what's happening in online. It's when when you approach an, a game with an online model, you have to think all you know, different parts of your base are going to be playing this game for different reasons. Unless it's kind of like a strict type brawler type where it's like okay, four players slot in, go ahead and and, and fight. If it's an open world game like Grand Theft Auto or even if it's an MMO um, RPG and they're promoting certain things, like if you're going to promote player housing and then you go in there and you don't get your player housing, it's like there are people that are going to be upset. So for me, the best part for me about Grand Theft Auto V were the heist missions. And the idea of going online and being able to participate in a heist with me and my cu- and a couple of my buddies, that sounded awesome. But in order to participate in a heist, you need an apartment and you need to get to rank 10, you know, and of course you need to get all the supplies to kind of manage it, which, you know, in the case of mass, you're going to need money. Um, Even if you steal a car online, which you would set up as your getaway vehicle, you need to take this car and you still need to get it repainted. So, um, you know, so if you're one of these people that wants to go in there and wants to just start blasting other people, that's fine. And you can do that. You know, other players are playing for different reasons. It's like not all of us are playing just because you want to go in there and kind of shoot other people. And even if you did want to go in there and shoot other people, it's not nearly as fun as it was in Grand Theft Auto 4. Uh, you start level, you know, you after you finish the tutorial, you're going to be about rank 4 or 5. Um, you have a handgun and maybe you get access to a shotgun. But what you're going to find is you're going to be running around and shooting other people. And these are people that have ranked up further than you. Um, they're just going to have more fun toys to kind of play with you and get revenge on you with. Um, so that's that's the other thing. Your your toys for this game or the things you really want to do in this game are all locked behind this money wall and this rank wall. It's kind of unfortunate that uh, you can't participate. Didn't they say that they they, they can't like launch the the heist yet or something? 
I, I, I think one of the early reports said that they had taken um, heist and microtransactions out while they try and fix the online. I think they rushed to get this stuff back in, even though the online still doesn't work. So I heard mm. people are trying to do the heist, but I hear the heists are also buggy, and you can't do those yet either. Like, you start a heist, and then it says you can't take any more missions, and that's kind of it for your online experience. I, I guess Overkill Software <laughs> is happy about this, because that means people who are dying for a heist fix are going to probably look towards Payday 2 or something like that. GTA 4 multiplayer was pretty much like create your own fun, but at the same time, they let you just... There's something like a dozen modes. There was the free mode, and then there's like all sorts of weird stuff. Like there's there's a dozen or modes, or you know, they gave you all the toys up front. It's like if I wanted to grab a rocket launcher and a helicopter, and then start to screw around, I was off. You know, so I I thought it, you know I thought it would be pretty much that. Plus, there's the addition of heist and this progressible character, but um, that's very clearly not what it was. <laughs> I heard somebody say also <laughs> at one point yesterday. He's like, I tried to turn on invincibility, the cheat code for invincibility, and it automatically shut off after five minutes. It's like Rockstar doesn't want fun with this game. <laughs> oh God! You can yeah. you can still make your own fun though. Like I the other day, um, I was just playing free roam a little bit, and uh, I found my favorite thing to do is just get in the passenger seat of people's cars. <laughs> Just, if they don't shoot you first, yeah. If they're if they're already like sitting in the car or something, but just get in the passenger seat and uh, and just don't leave. Just stay there until <laughs> you until know, something. You happens. know, I saw that was cool. It was in um shit. What is that, uh, Jay? What's that game? It's it's a GTA type game. It's uh, like Killer Instinct. It's like, <laughs> it's like the Asian themed one or whatever. Oh, Sleeping Dogs. Yeah, Sleeping Dogs. I, I was looking at a gameplay video of that, and I'm like. Oh, it has a lot of cool, just like little features that I thought were cool. Like you can throw people into the trunk of your car and shit like that. I would have a fight. Right. Yeah. I would have the a con- The combat in that game is a, a lot of fun. If you didn't play it, you should go back and. Yeah, you, you should go play it. The, the, con- the combat, to describe it, it's like um, one of the Arkham games. Yep. Only if Batman were really, really brutal. It looks like I really uh, have to play it now then. <laughs> and it's it's like you can do these kind of environmental moves. And I forget what they call them. Now remember, you're an undercover cop, and the first couple of of environmental moves, you know, they're they're pretty simple, like bash someone's head against a bar stool or whatever, and then they're kind of gone. And they just start getting more and more kind of fucked up. There's one where you're fighting through a warehouse, and there are like kind of all these swords lying around. So you take one guy and you throw him on top of the swords. And that's kind of like <laughs> that guy. You can electrocute them. You throw them into shredders, all this kind of stuff. And I'm going like, aren't you supposed to be a cop? Uh, I'm sure this much but he's having fun necessary. being a cop. He's, he's <laughs> the best kind of cop. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, no, Steaming Dogs was like a lot of fun. I think, I, think what, I think what a lot of people said about Steaming Dogs was if a Saints Row or if a Grand Theft Auto had been out when Steaming Dogs was, it wouldn't have done as well. Which might be true, but Sleeping Dogs kind of has its own standalone thing. It's like pretty great, and they do a lot. Speaking of sleeping and dogs, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I have anything there. Wait, let me think. Let me think. Come on, Jared, bring the funny. If you by, open up at the trunk of a car. <laughs> by the way, I, I believe, if I'm remembering right, um, 
the uh, there's actually some pretty good voice acting in Sleeping Dogs too. Yeah, like, there's, um, there's pretty good voice acting. Uh, Robin Shaw, who you may recall as Liu Kang from uh, Mortal Kombat, and then uh, Lucy Liu, I think, was in it as well. Lucy Liu was in it, yeah. So that's some top billing right there. Yeah, that's um, and they're making a sequel. You know, after Square Enix was like, we're super disappointed with this game selling well, um, so we're getting a new one. <laughs> Pissing me off every time. So I think uh, I think I'm done. I think I'm done with the joke. The long running. <laughs> I, I, it got too I, hard. That's the joke. That's the joke. It got too hard. I think I'm done with the joke. So I'll just say, go to our website. I know you're already there because you're listening to this, but go, go to our website. Go, go again and do other things on our website. Uh, if you're if you're stupid, it's enemyslime.com. <laughs> Um, type us in, type us into Google and click search results into Go- in Google too. So we climb up those organics, do that. Um, when you're done with that, go to Facebook and, uh, and click, click like buttons on the sidebar until we come up and like that one too. Uh, someone's Mr. Grumpy today. And then when you're done, when you're done with that, just go to Twitter and, uh, and just watch trending. We'll be there. Um, just keep an eye on it. Just, just type. You know, and then and then video games. And then here's what you do: like if you if you find yourself a jerry can in Grand Theft Auto Online, and you use that jerry can to spell out "enemy slime," you light that on fire. You take a picture of it and you send it to us. Then we'll talk about it on the podcast. And we'll talk about it on the podcast. We will have that picture. Now, actually, you you know, you know what? I do have. I think I have a new tradition that I'd like to start. Hang on a sec. I'm I'm pulling something. I'm pulling something up here. We don't even get ten episodes in, and you already want to start new traditions. A new a new grand tradition. Um, We kind of already did this once. Um, I'm going to see if I can find. Let's see. uh, Where is it? Why is this? All right, maybe I don't have anything for it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Here oh. it is. Here it is. Hey, just, 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 just wait. Just wait. It's going to be so good. Acquisition. I don't want to acquire anything. I just want my thing. All right, maybe I don't have it. I'll, okay. I'll find it some other You're day. You're right. That was an instant classic. <laughs> Boy, what a, what a, what a gag. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> got you. <laughs> Made you look. We, you thought we had something, but no. I swear to God, Google Analytics just changed their, their layout. So I was going to say we should we should end with the most bizarre search result that someone typed in. Oh, to, well, now, to... now it's going to be Etrian Odyssey and dog. <laughs> Etrian Odyssey, dog sex. Oh, Jesus. I looked it up. The last... Itchery and Odyssey was like 66 hours, so I may have to play this game for like another two days before I get any dog sex. <laughs> <laughs> or at least until you they stop asking you to just go into dungeons, right? Hey, sleeping dog sex. <laughs> this will give us more time to turn up for Fox Hawk. <laughs> Perfect. All right. We're out then. All right. Farewell. Good night.